Welcome back to Self Wife, the podcast where I break my chronic people-pleasing habits and figure my life the fuck out. My name is Ani Baker. Ani Easton Baker is my full name, so as not to be confused with Annie Baker, the playwright. I am in a different location. If you're watching this video, you can tell. I'm actually going back and forth between four houses currently. I'm going to, on this podcast, really just get right into the topics because I don't like Mark Marin, and I want to be as dissimilar to him as possible. I hate the 10 minutes of catch up about his life. Um, and I don't expect that you guys want to know what I did this week. You know what I mean? I want to talk about some bigger, more important things. And today, what I'm going to talk to you about is Mother's Day. Mother's Day was on Sunday, and Mother's Day is a very, uh, it's a difficult day for me. Because I decided to finally cut off my mom to go no contact with her in 2020. And I'm going to tell you that story and give you the details and read you the emails and explain what happened and what went into my decision and what it was like to enact that decision and what I've learned from it and how it feels in the aftermath of making that decision. Because a lot of people have made that decision. A lot of people think about making that decision, going no contact with a parent, specifically a mother, you know, the person who brought you into this world, is a big decision. And it's one that I didn't make lightly. I was 35 years old when I made the decision. I'm 37 now. And my birthday is in 12 days. So I'll be 38. It's been three years since I have spoken to her. And I haven't regretted it for a second, and I want to tell you why. Perhaps me sharing my story will help you on your path if this is a path that you are also on. I would also like to say I'm sorry if it is. Uh, the mother wound is one that is very hard to heal. I don't know if it ever does heal. <laughs> uh, my mother wound was open, festering, pus-filled you know, green and yellow and disgustingly painful for most of my life. I definitely am in a better place today than I was when we were in communication. So that tells you something. Let me give you a little bit of background on why I made the really huge and life-altering decision to go no contact with my mom. If you follow me, you know, I was raised super fundamentalist Christian by this woman. My parents started to get divorced when I was five. So my dad was out of the house and then my mom found the Lord. My mom found the Lord actually when I was three, but she's a born again Christian. And if you know anything about born again Christianity, it usually is like a really like hot burning type of Christianity. People who find Christianity as adults usually are hitting rock bottom, are going through something really, really difficult. And then they, you know, join a local church, they give their life over to the Lord, and that salvation pulls them out of the depths that they're in. And that was very much my mom's situation. We were not having a nice time as a family. When my dad was out of the house, we lost everything. And my mom really found that she was invited to church by a neighbor. We went and then that church became her entire identity. And before that identity, she was really depressed and wanted to die. I know this because she would tell me as a kid that she would like pray every night for God to show mercy on her and not allow her to wake up in the morning. Um, and of course I would comfort her, mommy, no, 
<laughs> but I love you. I want you to be here. The types of stuff that she talks to me about when I was a kid, that's a whole other story. But I was raised super, I'm an only child as well. And our house became like Jesus centered. My mom found the Lord and she ran with it. And so I also was a fundamentalist Christian. So I believed we were biblical literalists, right? Like Noah's Ark happened, like two of every animal crossed the oceans to be on the ark that is a historically accurate story according to my family of origin and you also they're the type of christians where like you don't question anything so like as i was growing up in the church if i did have questions about christianity and i would like raise them my mom would book a counseling session with our pastor and he would set me straight you know he would tell me why he would answer all my questions and assuage my fears and and concerns and you know just put me back on the path there was there was no dissent in my house if you follow me on tiktok my TikTok is self-wife as well. I did a whole series about growing up in a super duper fundamentalist, like extreme Christian household. Like when the wind would blow, my mom would rebuke Satan. When my dog jumped on me, she taught me that that was a satanic thing that the dog was doing. And so she taught me how to rebuke Satan when the dog jumped on me. I wasn't allowed to do anything. I wasn't allowed to read books. I wasn't allowed to listen to music if it wasn't like ordained by the church. Very, very strict environment, right? And so this was my whole life. I wasn't allowed to miss a day of church. I was sick one Sunday with the flu as a child and was vomiting. And she said it was God's will that I at least be on church property. So I sat in the hot car holding a trash can, throwing up into it while she went inside and did the whole church service. We were very pious Christians. Any searching I did outside of the church or outside of the Bible was condemned, was forbidden. I got in a lot of trouble. She made me apologize to the entire congregation when I was a very young child because she caught me reading a magazine. So by the time I left home in my early 20s, I believe I was 21 when they kicked me out for watching VH1 on a Sunday. That's another story I'll tell. That's also on my TikTok if you want to hear it now. Um, So I was out on my own in my early 20s. And I started to read the books that I wasn't allowed to read at home. I started to listen to podcasts. I started to study. I started to take classes about world religions. I wanted to have my own relationship with my belief system. I didn't actually set out to leave Christianity. It was all I knew. I continued going to church after I left home. I found churches near I was going to Azusa Pacific University getting my degree in education found churches in that area I moved around to Cucamonga I lived with a friend that I grew up in church with I was very much still a Christian and then I had my own sequence of events that really led me away from the faith and I did a lot of studying and I came to the awareness that fundamentalist Christianity actually wasn't coming from me. It wasn't something that made sense to my brain. It wasn't something that had made me feel good. It was something that made me feel guilty for existing. I mean, the, the brand of Christianity that was upheld in my home was very much like you should be ashamed of being a filthy, rotten sinner. And you should be down on your knees every single night begging for forgiveness for all of the surely disgusting things you've done during the day because everyone's born so flawed and we need Jesus and we are nothing without the Lord. Giving your power away was the brand of Christianity I was raised in. Being reminded that that your desires are sinful and shameful. Um, I, when, when I started being 
interested in sexuality. I would repent all day, every day. I was so terrified of dying suddenly because I knew I was going to go to hell because I was feeling feelings of lust, you know, in like my preteens and stuff. It's a very guilt-based, shame-based way of living. And when I started to educate myself, I really realized those things and I started to heal and I entered into therapy and so many things about myself changed once I was allowed to have access to education and, and read the books that I wanted to read. And, you know, I'm checking out Richard Dawkins. I'm reading Christopher Hitchens. I'm listening to two hour long podcast talks between like a scientist and a spiritual leader and learning about the ways that science intersects with spirituality. Like this is what I ended up being drawn to. And so I stepped away from Christianity, probably not until I was like, in my mid-20s, though. I want to say, like, by the time I was 25, I fully had said to people, I am no longer a Christian, and I was in really intense therapy, working on moving through the anger that I had for my mom, because outside of the Christianity, she just always treated me really, really terribly. She is an impossible-to-please woman, and keep that in mind when I go through this sequence of events, because this will sound like she is uniquely upset with me in this moment because I'm not a Christian, but she was always upset with me even when I was a Christian. When I was a practicing evangelical going to church with her every single Sunday, not hanging out with anybody else unless they also were a practicing fundamentalist Christian, like I also still couldn't ever please her. She was angry with me every single day. I talk about this on TikTok, but disagreeing with her or questioning her in any capacity was off limits in my house. Really, it was considered disrespectful and I got in trouble for asking questions. So just to kind of give you an idea, like what you're going to hear the way that she talks to me, this is how she has always talked to me. She's going to now say that it's about me no longer being a Christian, but it is more so just about her and the type of energy that comes from her. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of background information, lay a little groundwork so that you understand the dynamics of this email exchange back and forth, which led to me making the ultimate decision. Picture this. I'm 26 years old. I am no longer a practicing Christian, and my mom has gotten word of that through the grapevine. No, I didn't tell her that directly. I ne Why would I? You know, I knew it was really going to upset her. I knew that according to her beliefs, that meant if I was exploring other religions or other ways of being or other belief systems, that meant I was going to hell. And I didn't want to put her through any more pain than she was always in for various reasons, you know. And it's Mother's Day. I'm 26 years old. We're, you know, still in communication at this time. I, I no longer live at home. And she calls me and she says that all she wants for Mother's Day is for me to go to church with them on on Sunday. So I say, okay, fine. You know, it's Mother's Day. I'll go to church with you. She knows that I have stopped going to church. Okay. So she's like, please come with us. Like it would really mean the world to me. And so I go. And at church that day, everybody was watching a video about, I don't know, creationism. I honestly don't remember the context of the video. We do the whole church service. My mom and my stepdad take me out to lunch afterward at Chili's. <laughs> and we sit down at the table and they launch into what appears to me immediately to be a rehearsed play, if you will, about the Lord being the creator of the universe and Jesus being the only way to enter into heaven one day. So like my mom turns to my stepdad and she says, honey, what did you think 
of the video today because I just got to say, I loved it. What I loved the most was how it proved, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is the one true religion. <laughs> and, and he said, he looked at her and he said, thank you for asking. I would love to tell you how I felt about the video today. Like truly like rapidly my eyeballs are darting back and forth being like, what is happening right now? He says, I too really thought that it proved without a shadow of a doubt that whatever, fill in the blanks, the conversation is going like that. They both then turn to me once they're done with their scripted portion of their conversation. And they say, Ani, what did you like about the video we watched today at church? And I now clock what's happening. I go, okay, they know I'm not going to church and they're going to try to bring me back into the fold. That's fine. Now, mind you, by this point, I had been in therapy and I had done some intense work to try to forgive the anger that I felt for my mom. And I was learning communication skills and conflict resolution skills because she loves to fight and argue and she loves to taunt and she loves to bully and she really loves to like plunge the knife in and twist it and watch you squirm and then punish you for squirming. Like she's a really, really difficult person to communicate with. So I had been working on how to communicate with her effectively because I wanted to just have peace in my life. And she was my, this woman has been my main source of pain for my entire life. And I wanted to learn to do better. I wanted to have a relationship with her. I wanted to have a functional relationship with her. At this point in my life, I wasn't even close to considering cutting her off. That like wasn't in the cards. I just wanted to learn some skills that would help me to be able to communicate with her in a way that was like respectful and a way that like gave me some autonomy as an adult or an individual person in the world, which is something that she never offered to me. I was an extension of her and she decided who I was going to be, what I was going to like, where I was going to go, what I was going to do for a living, who I was going to hang out with, the movies I was going to see, the music I was going to listen to, the clothes I was going to wear, the makeup I was or wasn't going to wear, whether or not I could dye my hair, whether or not I could shave my legs. Like she was in control of all of it. I very much was like her property. That's how she felt. And I know these things about her. I knew these things about her. And I had really been working on my shit to try to like have some semblance of a nice time when I saw this person, you know? So I clock what's happening. I'm like, oh, okay. They're going to accost me about not being a Christian anymore. And I maintain my composure. And I notice when they turn to me and they say like, what did you think about the video? I said, oh yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was nice. That was all I said. And I looked at them and they said, nice. Like, can you say more? Like, what did you think about when the man said, you know, they're calling on certain details of the video, wanting my commentary on it just so that they can argue with me. And I know that, and I'm not going to argue with them about my belief system. And so I just say, you know, I don't really want to have a conversation about the video necessarily, but um, I'd love to like, you know, just talk to you guys about like, how, how have you been? And they, well, my stepdad stopped talking and my mom took over and she said, no, it's Mother's Day. And you said you were going to come to church with me. And now I would like to talk about the video. So tell me what you thought about it specifically. And I said, I don't know, this feels a little bit combative. I don't, I don't know if you necessarily want to know what I thought about it. I think you maybe are setting up for an argument. And she said, yeah, actually I am. And you want to know why? Because my beliefs can be backed up with the Bible. 
what are your beliefs and what book could you possibly have to back them up? Because as far as I know, now you no longer believe in the Bible. So you have nothing. You have nothing to back up your beliefs, like ramped up to 100 already. And so in my mind, I'm doing the math and I could list the books that I had been reading. I could talk to her about the online courses I was taking. I could tell her about what I was learning about the world and the history of religion, right? But of course, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to fight with her. It's a fool's errand. It's a losing battle. And I knew better by that point. And so I said, you know, I don't feel comfortable having this conversation at all. And she said, that's too bad because we want to have the conversation and we've taken you out to lunch today. And so we're going to have it. Tell me what you have to base your beliefs or your newfound lack of beliefs on. And it better be something better than the Bible if you want us to like respect your new belief system. So my heart is racing, you know, that I'm getting hot. Like she's starting to do all the stuff that pushes my buttons. She's being dismissive. She's being cruel. She's talking down to me. She's trying to force me to have a conversation that I'm saying that I don't feel comfortable having. And I had learned at this point that when you're trying to set a boundary with somebody or say no to somebody who's not listening to you, the best thing to do is just calmly restate the boundary when they're done talking. And so that's what I did. I said, you know, I, again, I don't feel comfortable having this conversation. I, I don't want to talk about our beliefs. Again, too bad, you know. So this went back and forth for a couple minutes. And I just continued to kind of like look down, look to the side, hope the food was coming at any minute so we would have something to do. And I, one final time, I said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to say it again. I, I'm not going to enter into this conversation with you guys. Like, that's not how I'm going to spend this lunch. And she argued, she pushed again. And so this time I tried silence because I didn't know what else to do other than getting up and leaving. I didn't know I had said my piece. I had made myself clear. So she pushed again. And then I just looked at them and looked around and looked down and didn't say anything. And she really didn't like that. That to her was the ultimate loss of control. So she then started with the name calling, which she always does. And she said, um, oh, really? Now, mind you, I'm being silent at this point. I'm just not saying anything at all. I've told her probably four times at this point that I don't want to have the conversation. And she says, oh, okay, I see what's happening. You're just a little five-year-old who's going to have a little five-year-old tantrum at the table. Is that it? You're a five-year-old? So she's doing the taunting, right? And, you know, it's, of course, hurting me and making me upset. I do the math in my head again. And I asked myself, like, did I set the boundary? Did I repeat the boundary? Did I try silence? Like, I've gone down the checklist of things I've learned to do. And now she's calling me names. And now she's mislabeling my silence, which is me standing my ground with a boundary as having a five-year-old tantrum. And so I grabbed my bag and I got up and I walked out of the restaurant. Now, I had driven there with them. My car was at their house about 25 minutes away, uh, two towns over. And I'm in the parking lot of Chili's. I noticed that uh, it shares a parking lot with Lowe's department store. No, Lowe's hardware store. (laughs) And they were having like a shed sale. There were tons of sheds in the parking lot of Lowe's that day. And it was really hot. And so I went into one of the sheds and I sat down where it was cool. And I texted a friend who lives in the desert who knows all about 
who knows my mom personally and, and understands that I have a really hard time with her. And I said, hey, I'm in a shed in the lowest parking lot. I had to walk out of a lunch with my parents. Do you mind coming to pick me up so I can go get my car? No questions asked. She comes. She drops me off. I get my car. And I drive home. Again, at this point, I live in Rancho Cucamonga. And I don't hear from my parents for, honestly, like at least six months. They don't call to see where I'm at. We don't speak to each other for about six months. Now, again, I didn't even consider cutting them off at this point. I just knew that I had set a hard boundary and that sometimes when somebody doesn't respect your boundary, you have to remove yourself from the situation and that's just part of it. And that's what I had to do. And I was proud of myself for doing that. And I thought that maybe at the very least, they wouldn't try to accost me about my lack of beliefs which is, isn't true. I did have beliefs at that point. I just am not going to share them with somebody who, you know, is hell bent on making me wrong no matter what. I just figured, hey, maybe they've learned to not do that anymore and I'll take it. Like that's a win. And for years, they really dialed it down. They didn't bring it up in every conversation anymore, which was new. Like all growing up, We were the only Christians in her extended family. Like she has a lot of sisters and we were the only Christians and nobody else was interested in Christianity, but my mom was shoving it down everyone's throat every year, no matter what. Like they all knew that at Christmas they were going to get another Bible from us, even though they would ask her to stop, but she doesn't care. She's relentless. She brings it up sometimes in the first conversation when meeting somebody, she'll say to to people like, what are your beliefs? Because I really like you and I just want to know if I'm going to see you in heaven someday. Okay. She's like very, she leads with it. Right. After that incident, she stopped leading with it. And to me, that felt like such respect. Like I was so happy that we were being able to have conversations that didn't include Christianity or talk about beliefs or making me, you know, prove myself to these people. But then it kind of started to fade. Then she, you know, she started peppering it back in as the years went on. Fast forward, it's now 2020. And all of my jobs had been in person. I was working four jobs at the time. Two were with kids in a school setting and in a home setting. And I was teaching my nephew one-on-one at the beach. So I was driving to back and forth to my cousin's house a couple times a week during COVID, during lockdown. And there was this one day that I got a flat tire by the beach and I was waiting for AAA to come change it. And I just like called my mom while I was waiting and like told her what happened. And she did something that she hadn't done in a while, which was she made it about Christianity in a way that made me uncomfortable. She told me (laughs) that flat tires don't happen to her because she's a Christian. And it really bummed me out because like I was in, you know, a, a flat tire mood, just calling to kind of commiserate about the day. And she took the opportunity to gloat and to say that she was immune from having flat tires because she was a Christian. And, you know, if I were a Christian, then I wouldn't have to go through stuff like this. Again, you got to pick your battles. So I just go, oh, okay. You don't get, you don't, okay. You don't get flat tires. Cool. All right. Well, um, I actually, I changed the subject. I was like, I actually mostly want to tell you about all the good things that are coming up for me right now. I had a lot of things that I was really grateful for at the time. And I decided just to express all of those to her because both things were true. I had a flat tire and also a lot of good things were happening in my life. And I, so I decided to share those. I was expressing so much gratitude about my life and she was just like, yeah, okay, that's great. And we get off the call. 
And, you know, the thing that's irking me the most is her comment about how she doesn't get flat tires because she's a Christian, but I truly just let it go. And I am proud of myself again, because I feel like I handled the conversation well. I didn't fight with her. I didn't tell her that I thought that that was ridiculous. And instead I just shifted into all the gratitude I was feeling. And a couple days later, I get this email. Okay. This is the beginning of the end. A couple conversations are going to intertwine as I'm reading you these emails. So I'm going to give you background on the second conversation in just a moment. So this is a couple days later after our conversation about gratitude, October 17th, 2020, I get an email from my mom with the subject line gratitude. Question, what does the Bible say about thankfulness slash gratitude? Answer, thankfulness is a prominent Bible theme. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18th says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness should be a way of life for us, naturally flowing from our hearts and mouths. It sounds like we are both learning to be thankful and have gratitude in all things. However, I have found it very difficult to do that without praying for God's perspective because his is so much better than mine. I really enjoyed our time together on the phone. How do you see having lunch together in the near future? What would that look like? Love, mom. And I am thoroughly bummed out because she's, well, she's swooping back in to have the the Christian conversations. I can tell that she's going, she's going to go really hard again. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's because it's like COVID, it's lockdown. She thinks it's the end of the world. I mean, you know, we all did. But what bothered me is that my conversation with her was so full of gratitude and she used it as an opportunity to try to take ownership of gratitude or tell me that gratitude only comes from the Lord and that basically my version of gratitude is wrong and actually it comes from the Bible and therefore I need to, you know, believe in the Christian Bible. And I, I all of the subtext of it and knowing my mom really bothered me. And so I was in a place where I was like, you know what? I'm going to set a boundary. Like I felt ready. I, it, I had done so much more work at this point. I had been in so much more therapy, read books about communication. And I, I continued on that path and I was so much farther down that path. And this really bothered me. And I asked myself, okay, so is there a need for a boundary to be set here? And the answer I gave myself was yes. And so I did it for the first time in my life. I decided I was going to ask her to not proselytize to me anymore because it was too painful. It was too loaded with so much trauma and abuse and terrible memories with her and the church I grew up in. And I was ready for it to stop. So I chose my words incredibly carefully and I responded. And this is what I said. I know you love me and I know that your beliefs mean a lot to you. And I can imagine that you know that emailing like this causes me a lot of discomfort and stress. I really don't like Bible verses or Christianity deliberately brought into our conversations. I have very strong beliefs of my own. That was so scary to say to her. I had never said that before. That I don't talk about with you because I know that you have your own. I'd like our beliefs to remain separate and personal to us because we don't share the same beliefs. And messages linking our conversations to the Bible make me really uncomfortable. I sent that at 5 p.m. And oh my gosh, I was so proud of myself. That was so scary. I had never said anything like that before, but I was clear. I was kind. I told her what I needed and I felt so accomplished. Like I, I actually reread that over and over and I deluded myself into thinking like she wouldn't be able to say anything to like, what can you say? Like, I'm just telling you about my feelings when she does a certain thing. And the only place to go is like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Like 
okay. You know, that that's what I thought. I thought I had done such a good job. And several days went by. I didn't get a response until the 21st. And I had sent it on 17th. So I, I like was like, I think I did it. I think I set a boundary. And I think the boundary worked. Like I had a few days of being really proud of myself. But then I did get a response. Now, from here on, I'm going to put these full emails on my Patreon so that you can study them start to finish unedited. Uh, I will block out a couple names to protect the innocent, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll show them all to you there. And I'm just going to read to you the important parts here for the sake of this episode. So she opens with, I am so glad that you know that I love you and that you love me too, but you need to know that you cannot have me without my beliefs. I cannot separate who I am and what I believe because I am who I am because of my beliefs and my relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the only reason my life changed dramatically from before I knew him personally, which you have been privy to. You have more experience with that than anyone else in my life. You know my life with your dad before Christ and how difficult it was, and then you saw personally my life with Christ and how it changed completely for both of us. He brought our pastor and his wife into both of our lives, and what a blessing they were for us. I'm so glad that he was our first pastor. She goes on and on, then she says, what I don't understand is why you choose to ignore the wonderful changes that were given to me by Christ and how much better my life is now with her husband and beyond even him. For some reason, I feel like you discount the many blessings that I have experienced since giving my heart to Jesus as if they aren't real. And yet you have experienced them with me. And I owe all of it to the Lord. I would never want to arrogantly think or believe that I have any of this because of my own efforts. I saw where my own efforts got me and I see where my life in Christ has brought me. No comparison. Again, I know that Christianity totally works for her. It doesn't work for me. I'm not ignoring that. It's just doesn't work for me. I'm a different person than her, but she doesn't understand that. And then she goes on to say, there are so many times that I don't say what I want to say about Christ to you, even though I know that he is the answer for everything and everyone. He simplifies the complicated through his supernatural powers. It is a mystery, but it is real. It's a long paragraph about Christ and his power. Then she says, for better or worse, God has made us mother and daughter forever. I know that it was on purpose, but why? Uh, Since I'm your mom, I naturally care about your welfare and your future. She goes on and on. She includes a pen and teller quote about knowing about salvation and not sharing it with somebody would be like such a waste. She includes a link to a Christian article and then she goes on to say nothing you could ever do would lose our love for you and nothing you could ever do would make Jesus not forgive you while his love is pure my husband and I are still learning how to love unconditionally we have not perfected it yet but we continue to try (laughs) we can only hope to live in such a way as this ends with I love you sunshine exclamation point so I am bummed because I'm like okay it didn't work um, and also she's missing the point. I, I, I'm not ignoring that it worked for her. I'm saying, I'm glad it works for you. It doesn't work for me, you know, but she didn't hear any of that. So I wait a day and I, once again, choose my words so carefully. I write and rewrite, I delete, I like edit. And then I finally send again, another response, which further explains my boundary. I've since learned that you just don't do this. Like if somebody doesn't accept the boundary, they're not going to, but, um, this was my first time. This is my first time setting the boundary really with anyone, I kid you not, like boundaries were not allowed in my home. You know, it's something that I had to learn. A lot of people are that way. So here's my response a day later that I thought was so good. And again, I was like, oh my God, there's no way she's going to be able to argue with it. I say, oh mom, I don't wish to separate you from your beliefs. I just hate it when you sell them to me. Your beliefs were my beliefs for like 22 years and they aren't anymore. Years of studying and contemplated 
contemplating have gone into me leaving Christianity. When you ignore that I've made different choices than you have, it makes me feel disrespected and disregarded. That's the only effect that comments or emails about Christianity have on me. I get bad feelings of being disregarded as an adult with autonomy and being a recruit in your eyes more than anything. Sending an email about your brand of gratitude after I expressed nothing but gratitude feels exhausting because it's like you don't hear me. You just hear an opportunity to sell me on a belief. The simplest way to say it is that I do not align with Christianity. It doesn't work for me. I understand it thoroughly. I lived it for most of my life. For you, Christianity is perfect. I can't picture a vision of you, a version of you without Christianity because it has always been your identity, but it's not my identity. And I need our conversations about me to not become about your beliefs. It's interesting. I have thought many times about sending you books that I've read or online courses that I've taken or recommended retreats to you that I've gone to or podcasts I'm listening to because, wow, I learn so much all the time and it's amazing information. I find so much light and peace daily in my beliefs. I'm taking an online course right now on integrating energy and it's rocking my world, but I don't send it to you out of respect for you. You don't have to set a boundary there because I automatically respect that you're not on the market for beliefs that don't align with the ones that you've chosen. And I ask that you respect me in the same manner. I thought it was necessary to say all of that, you know, like, hey, this is actually something, a a level of respect that I'm already showing you. I'm not asking you to do something that I also don't give to you, you know, I thought that would help. It didn't. Uh, I go on to say every person is made up of their beliefs. Belief drives all of us. Belief is inherent to being a human being. And you and I have different beliefs. And in respect of each other's choices, it makes sense that we don't try to sell each other on our chosen beliefs. The ask is in how you engage with me because that's what affects me. It makes me feel really bad for a lot of reasons when you do it. Nothing good comes from it on my end. So I'd like you to please stop doing it. Again, I was like, couldn't be more clear, stated my feelings, made it about me, let her know I also give the same thing I'm asking for to her so it's fair. And I didn't get a response for four more days. So again, I went four days being like, I did it. It worked. I chose my words carefully and like she gets it because I truly, I read it over and over. I'm like, I don't know what she would be able to argue with here because I'm just talking about my feelings. Um, That's what, you know, that's one of the main things they teach you in therapy. As long as you're telling somebody about your feelings, they can't argue with you. Well, she can. Four days later, I get an email that I'm very much going to skim. It'll be on my Patreon if you want to read all of it. She opens with a compliment. You are a gifted writer and I do understand your perspective. I'm like, oh, good. I can see how it looks to you like I am trying to sell you my beliefs, but selling my beliefs to you, as you put it, is not for personal profit or gain as sales tend to be. I will not be lining my pockets with gold or cash or even brownie points should you ever reconsider your position on Christianity. My opinions about God, Christ, and Christianity that I share with you are bolded for your benefit, even though I would benefit too from having a much closer relationship with you. But that is not my motivation, not my purpose. I send it to you because I I send it to you to remind you where gratitude comes from. But alas, you don't believe that. What concerns me the most about your rejection of Christianity and therefore Christ is why you believe that it doesn't work for you anymore. What is that based on? What is the foundation of what you now believe? So she's doing the same thing she did at Chili's again. And she's not actually asking me these questions because no matter what I would tell her, 
she would tell me I was wrong and that all those books are nonsense, you know? Is there a foundation to either of our beliefs? Can both stand up to time, scrutiny, history? Should we even care? If not, then why are we wasting our time believing in anything? You are not my project to sell to. You are my daughter and I will never stop caring about you and your welfare. I can only hope that you will respect me enough to at least read what I write. But you, of course, have the right to reject it all. Then she goes on into a very long thing about since the beginning of time, man has rejected the idea of absolute truth as if there is no such thing and has replaced it with his or her own truth. What feels right or makes somebody happy. There's a long paragraph about how fundamentalist Christianity is the only absolute truth and we need to be tuning into absolute truth. And she uses gravity as an example. She, oh, I'll read you the sentence because it's just so wild. It says, while there is a good place for relative or subjective truth, like all fries should be dipped in ranch dressing or that Spencer Tracy was a horrible actor in the original Father of the Bride movie or that chocolate is the best tasting ice cream ever, they cannot remove the existence of absolute truth or actual truth just because it makes one feel uncomfortable. She goes on to quote a lot more people. There were so many contradictions in world religions and philosophies. Trying to combine them all as absolute truth seemed illogical. She, it's, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly long. Okay. And then... We get to where this enters into another world entirely. Now, at this time, this is 2020, so Trump is in office. I on my I used my Facebook page as a place to rage about that cretin, right? And it felt incredible to be able to do that. I, I definitely did express those things to my family members on many occasions. It never led to anything other than a huge fight in which I was called so many names, you know, including stupid and uneducated for not being able to see that Donald Trump is the best president we've ever had and is like chosen by Jesus Christ and all the things that like make your skin crawl, right? Well, I didn't know that my mom used Facebook. Now, when I first made a Facebook back in like, what, 2005, my mom made one too, I guess. Didn't have a profile picture, had nothing on her profile. As far as I knew, she didn't use it. We were friends. I forgot that we were, but we were, and it was just a non-issue We have never once talked about anything I posted on Facebook. She's never interacted with anything I've posted on Facebook. Um, Facebook felt like a safe place to me for me to rage about the presidency. And I would like every I didn't even rage that much on Twitter. I just raged on Facebook because it was private and I didn't want to experience pushback. I had experienced pushback with everything my entire life. It felt good to have a place to just express myself, you know, with with no consequences. Like I needed that when Trump was in office. And so a few days prior, I had posted a clip of him being racist. I went back and tried to find it. I must have deleted it when she commented on it. Um, I actually deleted my entire Facebook when she commented on this post because it upset me so deeply. I didn't know she was there. <laughs> um, And I I was just like, I had so many issues with her already. Like I was not going to enter into a debate about how she believes that Donald Trump is like chosen by the Lord to be a savior of the world. Like I, it makes me sick to even say it here. So I had posted a video of him being racist. And I said in the caption, There is no way to deny that this man is a racist. And if you support him, you are also a racist, you know. And uh, she comments on it. And it's a really hateful comment. Tells me I'm wrong. And then lists a bunch of reasons why Biden is actually the racist one and why Trump is, um, you know, perfect. And 
it triggered me and I deleted my Facebook. This happened in the course of these days where we were going back and forth via email. And so now in this response to me, she's going to bring that in. I was hoping that just my, by me deleting my Facebook that we didn't ever have to have that conversation because I refused to with her. Um, that's a battle I will not fight with her. I, I, it actually is one that I have fought with her and I learned to stop. And so I was pretty surprised that she brought it up. And I was very upset. But there's a very, very long paragraph here that then says basically, how dare you call Trump a racist? If he was a racist, why would he do one, two, three, four, five bullet points of things that she found online that she feels are not racist? And then she goes on to say, do these policies sound like something a racist would do? And yet Trump is called and believed to be a racist. And apparently so are we because we are Trump supporters. So why do you believe what you believe? Why do I believe what I believe? Where do we get our information that forms our opinions? She goes into the same exact things. God did not leave us in a vacuum to figure out everything on our own in hopes that we would find it. He knew that we would come up with our own truths, which would many times not resemble his. So he gave us a guidebook on purpose. The Bible, I hope we will receive this in love. I doubt the information shared will leave you peace. However, that's understandable. But as your mom, your welfare is always my concern. Blah, blah, blah. Love, mom. So now I'm like, okay, this is entering another territory that I truly, I just refuse to engage with. Again, this is a boundary for me. I'm not going to argue with a woman who has Trump memorabilia plastered on her walls who's trying to tell me that that man <laughs> is good, you know? And mind you, this is a woman who thinks now I am evil. Like she, she and my stepdad told me when they watched my documentary, Who's Your Teacher, about educating people thoroughly about themselves, their bodies, and their sexuality. She said that not only was I going to hell, but now I'm dragging other people to hell. And Trump, in their eyes, is like a perfect soldier of the Lord. When the grab him by the pussy stuff came out, I talked to both her and all four of my parents loved Donald Trump. I talked to all of them about it. They all made excuses for him. My dad said, yeah, that's just how men talk. My mom said, well, the Lord is still working on him, so we do need to keep praying. Like, So he gets all the allowances in the world, but I – anyway, I'm not going to get into it. So I – to be fair, I like skimmed a lot of this. Like I just saw that she was defending Trump to me. And I just responded right away. And I just said, I'm not going to engage in this topic with you. Red heart emoji. Repeating the boundary. Just saying, like, I'm not going to do this. <sighs> four days. Again, go by. She, she used, spends four days on each of these. And now it gets really ugly. So remember the Chili's episode when I got quiet and how that made her really mad. And then she started calling me a tantrum. Uh, toddler having a tantrum when she loses control or when she can tell that she's not going to get you to do and say exactly what she wants you to that's when the teeth come out that's when the I love you sunshine goes away and is replaced by bullying and name calling and here we go I'll read this one to you in full four days later you already engaged us in this conversation in public on your Facebook page again didn't know she looked at my Facebook it is not a public page like I didn't talk about my parents in the post. I talked about Donald Trump being a racist and I used an example of him being a racist. And now you want the right to spew out garbage whenever you want and expect not to have to clean up the mess you make. Again, I'm making a mess by labeling his behavior. He's not making a mess. I'm making a mess by labeling his behavior on Facebook. You don't have that right and I am calling you out on it. You don't have the freedom to defame us and then demand 
respect from us. Running away from a conversation that you began is childish and cowardly. Your arrogance and hatefulness are now aimed at us. Or maybe it has just been for a long time, but you have been pretending to like us. I realize that is a possibility. So what is your point? It would appear that your opinion is the only opinion that matters to you because you, of course, agree with it. You want to be able to use your freedom of speech privilege anytime you want, as long as you don't receive criticism or consequences, while at the same time denying us our right to freedom of speech, as if that privilege is not afforded to us as well. I am sure that you have heard the old adage, with great privilege comes great responsibility, but you don't want any responsibility for your actions. That is what I would expect from a child. Again, posted that Trump is a racist on Facebook. Those are my actions. You are not a child anymore. You are an adult and you must face your own consequences for your own behavior. You are not shielded by an invisible force to be able to wield a sword at anyone you choose at any time you choose without a battle ensuing. You have become like a child who stirs the pot and then runs away to avoid repercussions. However, you are 35 years old and it's time you step up to the plate. We have never closed our door to you before, no matter how much we disagree with you. That's literally not true. They literally kicked me out, took the key off my key ring, threw my belongings on the front porch for watching VH1 on a Sunday. And they said, don't ever come back here. You're no longer welcome. So that's like not true. But you have now done so with us. And I haven't. I just said, I'm not going to engage in this topic with you. In fact, you have slammed the door, which I am attempting to reopen. She's attempting to bulldoze my boundary. However, you are making up all the rules and you expect us to play by them. Very arrogant and abusive and not acceptable. So my boundary, my loving boundary, arrogant, abusive, unacceptable. And I'm a child and hateful. I'm hateful too. Trump not hateful. It's me. It would appear you really don't care about having a relationship with us because of what you believe to be true about us. If we were actually racists and white supremacists, then I could understand you're not having a relationship with us. You had to know when you made those ridiculous statements against Trump supporters that you were also including your parents. The statement alone should cause you to step back and say to yourself, what in the heck am I doing? But no, you would rather not face the truth about the kind of person that you have become and instead silence us so that you don't have to look at yourself. I never taught you that. I'm also using this tone of voice because this is how she talks. I would be surprised if you show me respect and read this. I can only hope that you do, especially when it involves having a relationship with us or not, unless you are willing to take responsibility for your actions. Calling Trump a racist because he is. I don't see how we can go forward. We are now at a crossroads and you must choose childishness or adulthood. You cannot have it both ways changes have to be made. And then she uses the heart emoji with the bow tied around it. Love mom. (laughs) So I write back. Meanwhile, I remember receiving that message on my way to teach uh, one day um, in the home setting with my nephew. And it just, it bummed me so far out. Like it's so painful to be attacked, especially when like I'm expressing my very valid political opinions on my private Facebook page and I'm being talked to like this. Like I, I, she's acting like I went into her email and said those things to her, which I would never, because I don't want to hear this type of stuff from her. 
again, I'm not allowed to have my own opinions and I never have been. So I'm skimming, but I'm seeing all of the contentious language and I'm pulling up to my job. I feel completely shut down. I'm so upset. And I just respond and I say, mom, I'm not even reading past the first sentence on this because this is exactly what I asked you not to do. You commented on my Facebook post and I replied to you. Okay. You coming on my page made me delete Facebook. I'm not going to engage in this with you. And when you continue to do this, I honor my own boundary by deleting your messages. She responds right away. And yet you demand respect from us. It doesn't work that way. What has happened to you, mom? And I responded, this is the last thing I said to her. I've learned how to express my needs and set boundaries. And then I blocked her. I blocked my stepdad. I blocked their phone numbers and emails. And I had to grasp for composure and soothe my own wounds over the next few days. Because I also want to say that last line of what has happened to you, making me disagreeing with her in any way to be about a huge character flaw that exists within me. She's done that ever since I was a kid. Anytime I did something she didn't like, she would say, what is the matter with you? She'd say it exactly like that. And I remember getting to an age where I said, mom, there's nothing the matter with me. But when you say that to me, it makes me feel really bad. Like, Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that there's something the matter with me. I just don't agree with you. And she would say, no, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you for you to think that that's true or whatever it was that I thought was true in the moment. And it's a very gutting thing that she has always said to me. And it's a way for her to discount me. It's a way for her to bulldoze me. Um, I didn't set boundaries growing up. I wasn't allowed to. If I wanted more freedom which I talk a little bit about on my TikTok when when I turned 18, how she cracked down even more. When she would notice that I wanted like a little bit more leniency, she would threaten like, I'll take the door off your hinges. Like you don't, I'll take away any semblance of privacy you have. You don't deserve any privacy. You know, boundaries weren't allowed. But as you can see, I am defending my right to have my own political opinions about one of the worst human beings on the face of the planet. And she's telling me I don't have a right to do that. And that, you know, what I say on my own personal Facebook page is childish and hateful. And, you know, none of nothing Donald Trump does is childish and hateful. It's just me speaking about what he does is childish and hateful. She's calling me all these names. I'm continuing to be clear and kind. And she's becoming more and more and more cruel. And then she ends with, I can just hear her and I can see her face like scrunching up as she asks me that as if I'm like a really like disgusting defective human being which is how she's always treated me and I felt at least at the very least proud of myself for responding to her and just saying I've learned how to express my needs and set boundaries because she was trying to trigger me and it did that would be something that before I would like fight tooth and nail about like nothing has happened to me and when you know I would go into more explanation of like When you say that, it hurts me and like try to get her to understand. But I was in a place at the age of 35 where I wasn't doing that anymore. And I was just standing my ground. I have not heard from her since. She has told nobody, apparently, that I cut her off. Um, When my aunt found out, she did call me and tell me that I was bad for doing that. But whatever, I ignored it. I explained myself to her. I told her that she is abusive and has always been and I no longer allow people to abuse me. I did get a handwritten letter from my stepdad that was very confusing. He just talked about how 
every issue I have with my mom is really an issue I have with my dad and how my dad is the true villain. I ignored that letter. And I have never looked back. And the more time I spend away from that woman's voice and influence, the stronger I become. And something I noticed is that in the years following, me saying no to her and really closing the door on her being able to say and do whatever she wants to me at any time. And when I ask her not to or express my feelings, she goes harder. Closing the door to that really highlighted that I had a lot of other people in my life who treated me that way too, who used me for their pleasure, who only accepted me when I was performing like the couple little aspects of myself that they enjoyed and anything outside of that I would get punished for. I had a lot of people in my life who took me for granted, who lied to me, who threatened me to get what they wanted. A lot of people that treated me like she did because of course, like if the woman, if I'm letting my mother do that, why would I not make excuses for other people to do that to me? Like that's what's normal to me. And I noticed that once I wasn't being constantly attacked by her, constantly told that I'm wrong in every way, shape, and form, and especially now that I'm no longer a Christian, I could really feel it when somebody else wasn't healthy for me. Like I would notice the shifts in my body. But while I was still in communication with her, those shifts, those emotional shifts, me shutting down, me getting like my rapid heartbeat leading to like freeze, like going into fight flight and then staying in freeze for weeks. Like that was my whole childhood was fight, flight or freeze. I was in one of two modes at any given time and closing the door to her and taking away one of the major contributors to my fight or flight or freeze mode helped me recognize when other people were putting me into that mode because it became more irregular. Like I started to experience semblances of peace when somebody disrupted that or treated me terribly or called me names or really misrepresented me like she does, like she always, always has. I would feel it and I would notice it. And I would say like, oh, wow, wait, maybe I don't have to accept this. Maybe this doesn't have to be my norm anymore. Maybe (laughs) if somebody makes me feel that way when I've done everything I can to clearly and calmly express myself, maybe I don't have to be in communication with that person anymore. And it was really liberating. And I have cut off several other very toxic people since cutting her off. Closing that door gave me the courage to close doors when I need to. You know, when when I know somebody really isn't aligned with me, when I know that somebody somebody's presence in my life is not actually for my benefit or well-being. So this takes us back to Mother's Day. Mother's Day is hard. Every time Mother's Day comes around, I feel guilty. I picture her crying. I picture her on her knees praying to the Lord, fearful that I'm going to hell. I know she thinks I'm going to hell. She uh, Also, she barely knows anything about me. She knows I'm not a practicing Christian anymore, but like she really would think I was going to hell if she knew. I mean, like she doesn't know I'm bisexual. I can't imagine what she would do if she found that out. You know, it wouldn't be pretty, but I have healed and grown so much since closing the door on her, but it still hasn't been easy. I've never doubted it. I've never thought like, oh no, did I do the wrong thing ever? Not ever, even for a second, but I have felt sad about it. I have worried about her. I have felt guilty, like I'm being a bad daughter, 
Like I have moments of wondering if all the things that she said about me are true. And then I'm able to get back into a headspace where I know that they're not. I know that standing up for myself and setting a boundary isn't childish. I know that calling out racist behavior isn't hateful. I know that my beliefs are based on a lot of study and contemplation and awareness and education and not just like me wanting to be comfortable and ignore absolute truth and stuff. And I and I know now more clearly than ever that Christianity was really, really harmful for me, especially the brand that I was raised in. It was really, really harmful and liberating myself away from her headspace has been the best thing I've ever done cutting her off is one of the best things I've ever done. And that makes me feel sad to say that, you know, um, this mother's day, thank God I hung out with my friend Lauren. She reached out and I was so thrilled to have something to have somebody to spend that day with so that I didn't have to sit and wallow. I did notice that when she left, I got really sad. It's just this feeling of like this emptiness. It's like a pit in your stomach. It's just an emptiness. It's like a darkness when you have to make the decision to go no contact with a parent, especially a mother, especially when that mother has never once said, like, I respect you, never once allowed me to speak my truth and be heard by her, never been on my team. You know, I really do envy people who have relationships with their mom that are friendly, that are supportive, you know, something that I've really picked up on since cutting her off and then other people who were treating me like I you know belonged to them in a really ugly way something I really have realized I'm 37 now and I'm just realizing this now I'm like okay so the world and life is like hard and brutal and ugly and dangerous like a lot of terrible shit happens all the time but the people in your circle and in your family the people that you communicate with those people are supposed to be shields from the outside world (laughs) those people are supposed to be on your team telling you you know you've got it you're worthy I'm here for you and now I know that I want a life like that and I'm working to build that life where the chaos is not coming from inside the house anymore I have my people that surround me, who see me, who love me, who respect me, who don't even require that I really set too many boundaries because they don't just inherently take advantage of me. But if I do set a boundary are like, oh, totally, absolutely. Like knowing that that's available and having glimmers of that be real in my own life, honestly, in the past year for the first time ever since cutting her off, it took a while. I you know, the the dominoes really had to fall for getting this type of energy out of my safe space. Um, and it's been maybe about a year, less than a year, without this type of energy coming from people in my safe space. And now I know that this is the type of life I want to live. And now I just have a rule. Like if I'm going to cut off even my own mother, then no one in my life gets to treat me that way. I don't keep people in my life who call me names that I'm not, who tell me I'm doing things that I'm not, who call me hateful for accurately labeling problematic behavior, who plaster Donald Trump's name all over their wall and tell me that I'm dragging people to hell. No, fuck that. You don't get to be a part of my life then. You can be a part of the big, bad, ugly, chaotic world out there, but you're not in my safe space. You're not contributing to my safe space. And so you're no longer in it. And the only way for me to have a safe relationship with this woman, unfortunately, is to just not have one. I've tried being clear. I've tried being calm. I've tried stating my needs. I've tried setting boundaries. I've tried walking away, you know, and none of it worked or some of it did for an extended period of time. But as you can see, (laughs) it didn't last long. And 
I know that it was the right decision, even though it was one of the hardest decisions ever and took me 35 years to make. Our moms have a big impact on our lives. I just want to say to you, if Mother's Day was hard for you, I'm so sorry. I'm with you. You're not alone. If you have gone no contact with a parent, I'm so sorry. I'm with you. You're not alone. If you're thinking of going no contact with a parent, I can't, you know, look, every situation is different. My advice is like try everything you can before making that decision because it's it's big and it's final. No, it's not final. I mean, but it's supposed to be final, you know. But if you feel like you're about to make that decision, I'm going to go ahead and place a bet on the fact that you're valid and that you have a lot of valid reasons and you might not have anybody else in your life supporting you. It's still very common to get phone calls from family members being like, I can't believe you would do this. Like, what are you doing? Uh, Furthering the abuse, you know, but I'm with you. If you do make this decision, I know that you haven't made it lightly and I'm sorry you're in the position to have to. And I think you can do it from my experience The guilt and the pain of doing it is less than the pain of not doing it. Mother's Day being hard is the sacrifice for me. That one day a year and and also on her birthday, those days of feeling guilty and sad and empty, I'll take those days over her having unfettered access to just energetically punch me in the gut and tell me that I'm wrong and bad in every conceivable way, which is what she's always done. I've been working on loving myself. Well, the first thing I had to do after leaving home was work on not hating myself because she taught me so thoroughly to hate myself and I did. And I had to work on reprogramming that. And now I really actively work on actually giving love to myself, showing myself love. That's what self-life is all about. I am a wife to myself. I cook for myself. I clean for myself. I pamper myself. You know, I run baths for myself. I spend time on myself. I prioritize myself. I am a wife to myself. That's a new concept for me. And part of me being able to be here, part of me even being able to do this podcast and tell you these stories and talk about healing and, and you know, this, the little bit of strength that I gain from healing is from closing the door to her voice. And that's, it's sad, but it just is. Not everybody has a good relationship with their mom. I, I, I think probably more people struggle with that relationship than um, have an easy time with it. If you're ready to make that decision and you know that it'll bring you peace and be better for your mental health and your well-being to not allow a family member to emotionally pummel you at all times, then do it. I'm with you. I support you. Just make sure that you keep yourself busy on Mother's Day. (laughs) That's my hack. Make a charcuterie plate and take some champagne outside with a friend and um, talk about anything other than moms. Thanks for listening. And I hope that you got something from this. If you did, let me know. I love feedback. I don't mind constructive criticism. And if you know somebody who is struggling with this same topic or is interested in these topics, share this with them, would ya? Thanks. Thanks so much. I'll see you next week on Self Wife.